Welcome to the Andy Hicks Podcast, the one with the King of Leeds, Chris Dyson. Hello folks, how are we doing? Lovely to have you with me, have you with us, wherever you are, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, tea time, whatever it is, welcome to the Andy Hicks Podcast and welcome Chris Dyson. Good welcome, Andy, my great friend. Uh, what a pity we had to miss that fantastic conference, uh, which seems an eternity ago now, but roll on 2021 when we when we do it again. Absolutely, very much so. Now, Chris, uh, just um, start us off. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of people who know who you are, where you are, what you do, but, but just start us off, Chris, with a little bit of your story. Who are you? Where, tell us about the journey and where you are now. So I'm Chris Dyson. I'm the proud head teacher at Parklands Primary School in Seacroft in Leeds, which is more like Seacroft Bados today because there's not a cloud in the sky. It's absolutely glorious up here. Um, I'm just coming towards the end of my sixth year as head teacher at Parklands. Uh, one of Europe, uh, sorry, one of the country's most deprived primary schools with 70% plus a pupil premium. Um, we've got 253 free school meal children. Um, deprivation is very high, but we never use that as any kind of excuse because I'm proud to say that in the last four years with, a, uh, the, with one of the, if not the, single highest performing schools in the country when it comes to maths. A um, lot of exclusions when I took over, uh, 100, 150 sessions. Uh, the governor's asked me to reduce that number when I first started. Uh, we've reduced that down to 1px in the last uh, six years. Um, a school built on love. You know, when I started here, there was a padded cell, there was an exclusion room, there were more kids outside on the roof than in lessons. So it just shows what could happen if you put a bit of love into something, you give a bit of respect. We play music nonstop all day, although even though today should be fun day Friday at the fun day at the fun palace for the best seats in the house assembly, which should be in full swing now. Um, and the kids have just really, really responded. It's been such a beautiful journey. Uh, the authority have put us uh, as inadequate when I first took over, which was great because it got me uh, 20, 20 days free support from the authority. Uh, and then in October 2017, boom, knocked it out of the park. We were lucky enough to get an outstanding from Ofsted. So, yeah, it's been a brilliant journey. Uh, I've only had two staff that have left in my sort of six years. So well-being is everything. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful place to work with the most beautiful, fantastic staff in the world, apart from you guys down south there. <laughs> well, and that just, it's, it's just a fascinating story, that, and that, that journey of turnaround, Chris. What, what about before that? Just a, a little snippet of insight into what, what happened before Chris became head at Parkland. Well, I'd always uh, loved being a teacher. Uh, I'd always loved Ofsted, to be fair. Ofsted's always been very good to me as a teacher, as a maths lead, as a deputy, and now as a head. Uh, I was fortunate enough I won the uh, Teacher of the Year in 2004, um, where one of my lovely little 11-year-old girls in my class is now my Year 5 teacher, uh, and my maths lead. Um, so I'd always loved being in a classroom. I left it a bit late going into headship because I just I'd missed that that interaction every day with the kids and things. But in all fairness, now that I am head, instead of just influencing a class of 30 or being a key stage leader and, a, and, a, uh, and influencing 400, 500 kids, it means 400, 500 kids. Um, it now means I can inspire an entire school by getting a team that works with me, a team that sort of follows the, the path that we've set. So, yeah, 
best job in the world Brilliant. until I became and our head teacher is the best job in the world. Absolutely. And Chris, it doesn't sound like you've come far from home. You, you're a native Yorkshireman, are you? Proud Yorkshireman, uh, but I've uh, I did my five years down in Stoke-on-Trent, uh, down in Newcastle-under-Lyme at the brilliant Hassel County Primary School and Ravensmead. Then I moved up to uh, York, uh, which was a beautiful place to to be. Uh, and then I had a head teacher that got a job in Leeds. I was a bachelor boy then, so I decided to travel around the world and go and watch uh, England in Japan in 2002 before taking up a position as a as a uh, an assistant head over in Leeds. So that's been the, pretty much the journey. Oh, jolly good. Now, okay, so in that journey, and you give us a bit of insight uh, when you talked about Parklands earlier, what would you say is your professional hedgehog? What's your one thing that you think, actually, do you know what? I'm pretty good at that, and that's something I lean on a lot. Times tables and maths. You know, I, I failed my GCSE when I first did it, and I always look back at, to my primary school days and think, well, if I could, I, I struggled with exchanging uh, and subtractions and things. And I just remember getting absolutely screamed at by teachers, thinking, and I'm thinking, I just don't know how to do it. You know, so when I unpicked everything, I thought, I'm going to become, I'm going to become a math specialist. I'm a PGC. Um, right. So, uh, and I want children to be able to be taught as opposed to be expected to know and just be sort of shouted at and things. So uh, I'd always been blessed that I played cricket at a high standard, football at a high standard, played golf, uh, all sports. So I didn't want to go down the sort of PE specialism, uh, but I wanted to make a difference. And maths is certainly something and the times tables that pretty, probably is the most significant thing on my sort of CV. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. So, so in amongst that, what, what do you think would be the one thing you wish you'd known when you began your career in, in education? What's the one thing I wish I'd known? Well, I think the best thing about this job is you're always learning. I mean, this time, what we should be feeling now is a bit of stress, a bit of anxiety about the sats in three, four weeks time. Uh, but obviously all that's uh, been put on the back burner now, but it's bringing out new skills in us. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm currently being a bit like Arthur Daly meets Del Boy. You know? <laughs> Before we went from there, I was just saying, I took delivery today of uh, two and a half thousand bags of oven chips, five uh, 500 veggie burgers from Burger King, 2,000 boxes of popcorn, 2,000 cans of pop from Ben Shores. So tonight, my lovely kids are having burger chips, popcorn and pop, you know, during this lockdown and things. So it's the new skills we've sort of been learning, which has been fantastic. Um, but what do I wish I'd known now before I started? Uh, I don't know. It's just lifelong learning, I suppose. Okay. Okay, great. Well, well, I mean, I think one of the interesting things is, of course, as you say, that um, it's about being a learner, it isn't is. it? Um, uh, 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 whether you're a child or an adult. Definitely. I mean, it's, and it's listening as well. Uh, one of my most respected and great friends, and actually when we did teacher training, myself and Simon Kidwell lived at his uh, Auntie Gwen's house at the start of our journey. Uh, and I remember when we first was locking down uh, and schools were shutting on that Friday five weeks ago, um, Simon Kidwell had to make a real personal phone call to me to say, Chris, this is not the Parkland show. You know, I'm hearing that you're going to be opening school up for 150 kids, you know, follow what everyone else is doing. You know, we've got to make sure we're socialised, we're self-isolated, we're only in school if it's absolutely essential. And I really respected that, you know. So myself and my staff started cutting those numbers. 
uh, and we wanted to have a maximum of 10% of the school population, which was 36. Uh, and by working with the community and the parents, it's, we've, we've been running around about 12, 13 kids in so far. So it's always that sort of listening aspect and having that sort of respect and fear for his fellow peers and things. Okay. Well, it's, it's good to hear. Absolutely. I think we all, we all recognise that, whether it be head teacher, teacher or professional per se or anybody Ooh. who's got a job or, or has got respect for their family as well. Um, okay, Chris. So here's a coming from a different direction now. A little bit of pressure for you. Um, you're such a positive chap. You approach things in such, a, such an energetic way. Is there something along the, along the journey that, that has gone either gone wrong or, I mean, I, you know, is a failure perhaps is a too strong a word, but something that you, that, that, then you, that you know, actually, yeah, it, 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 something wasn't quite right, but this is what I've learned from it. Um, learned to, how to have a bit more compassion on Twitter, I think. Um, uh, some great people, not everyone's going to agree on things all the time. So and I think in the past, you know, about five years ago, I used to get into some Twitter rows with people because it was my way or the highway and things. So I've certainly learned how to do that. Uh, having uh, ATMPs complain about me uh, during the previous, not the last election, general election, the one before, saying I was manipulating the election by my pro-Labour stance. Uh, so I'm going to get a ticking off of my chair of governors. Um <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm a thousand miles an hour, but sometimes I've got to be reined in and things. So, but it's not through a lack of trying, and I'm never one for making excuses. I've, I've made a mistake, I take it on the chin, and we move on. Okay, well that's that leads quite nicely into to to the next question, which is, um, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in education? You've got to do it from the heart. You've got to be able to want to do it. You've got to be able to want to engage with those children to get them to, to instill a love of learning that's going to last them a lifetime. Um, and it's, you know, for me, it was the best thing and it's the only thing I ever wanted to do. Uh, but you've got to want to do it. You know, I had some friends at university when it was coming to the end of our three-year degree and they were like, well, I'm just going to do teacher training because I can't find anything else to do. And, you know, sadly, those people are no longer in the teacher profession because the heart and soul wasn't in it. So, uh, but get to love your community, get to love the school that you're in. There are going to be mm. occasions when you go to the wrong school and you don't fit in there. But there are, there's a school for mm. everybody out there. Now, believe it or not, some people who come to my school might think it's normally a bit loud, you know, with the music blaring out and things and the assemblies, which is like a, a Saturday night takeaway with Ant and Deck. <laughs> but then there's some brilliant, thoughtful, reflecting educators out there that are just as inspirational, but they do it their own way. So, again, my advice is yeah. do it your way. When I became head here, yeah. I didn't decide to buy 15 books on leadership and read to see what kind of leader I was going to be. I was going to lead my community. And the best bit of advice I could give to anyone there is get to know your community and then you can get to know how to bring the best out of them. I normally have... And I keep going back to my fun day Friday best seats in the house assembly because I should have 140 parents in the hall at the moment. Um, right. So it's, okay. it's making the parents and the kids love everything about the school, you know, and that starts by being a class teacher, then becoming a subject leader, then becoming a key stage leader, then an assistant head, a deputy head before being a head and eventually for some people being executive heads and CEOs and things. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. Okay, now, now you mentioned perhaps you're not the, the, the uh, not the biggest fan of, of 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 a bucket load of leadership books necessarily to to find out who mm -hmm. you are. 
as an educator or as a leader. But what what would be the best resources that you that have helped you along Twitter. the way? You know, the, the, the influence that people like Simon Smith has had on my reading through school, uh, the brilliant connection with Rob Smith through the literature shed, spelling shed, you know, it bought me, it bought me a vending machine, you know, a vending machine. It's not full of chocolate and things, it's full of books. So when I give out my £25 a week cash uh, for my spellers of the week and my writers of the week, instead of actually giving them cash now, they can just come up, pick a book, press D5, and watching Aura and Wonders, this book drops down for them to, to sort of have and things. Um, and it's sort of the work being, you know, I'm just looking at in front of me now, I've got the Pobble uh, non-screen homework that they've produced in this uh, crisis. Time. You know, you yeah. Make up your own five-minute yeah. exercise routine and show it to the family. You know, put on, put on your own singing and dancing show. So, you know, all these brilliant influences have all come through the power of Twitter. I mean, and they, we connected on Twitter, so it must it must be brilliant (laughs) i think um i think it's definitely the case um that um that it is a wonderful platform for for Mm. connecting people and as you mentioned you you mentioned um sometimes people don't always agree but do you know what that's okay as long as it's got to be respectful when you think back to brexit and you're either in or you're out there's no middle ground and how nasty you got on there mm. then we followed that by the general election and you're either red or you're blue with some greens in there and other things and things uh, but the, but there's no middle ground but this for me this crisis sort of galvanized everyone pulled everyone together because it makes no difference if you're the richest if you're the poorest if you're right wing you're left wing you're center midfield it makes absolutely no difference we're all in this together and we're all and we all no, can be um affected by it again it's not just affecting the poor people it's affecting the old people young people absolutely everybody's affected by this but i think twitter and the and the love and the respect has really been a, a big positive okay um you've mentioned quite a few people in various answers so far who would if you were to be pushed for three people who've been most influential on you well, well I'd, have to, I'd have to go rob smith you know from the literature shed spelling shed what he's done for this school is amazing uh ros wilson is my patron of writing at school and comes into school free of charge every thursday to teach uh the year six children and having someone like ros wilson coming and teaching wow would have that. Yeah, and then my third sort of biggest influence oh you've put me really on the spot here haven't you and the third one uh i'd have to probably go for simon smith because when i first joined twitter um he was my 10th person that ever followed me uh and we went on a journey together uh we both started headship i think he started at easter and i started in september and we've just grown and grown and grown and both made really fantastic so we've both made a fantastic got fantastic results from schools that probably people wouldn't have expected to okay brilliant stuff thank you okay um education's full of opinions um both in terms of people that are inside it and people who look in from the outside what was one common myth about education that you'd want to debunk for our listeners? Um, well, I don't like uh, all the testing that's going on and things, uh, but that's not a common myth. But I think we're in a situation now where we can actually change the future education so we're not testing in reception with a baseline year 
two year ones in phonics, year twos with sats, year fours with times table chest test, and year six in sats, five exam years in seven. Um, <coughs> so yeah, I've, I've not really thought about that uh, too much and and things. So, uh, what would you say? Would your would what would you say be your sort of myth buster? I think I think there's two things. One is uh, the perception, the perception of 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 uh, um, how hard uh, mm. staff work from the from outside the profession, and I think there's you know thousands upon thousands of parents, especially finding out Definitely. that at the moment, and then and so many of them doing such a sterling job trying mm -hmm. to work at the same time. And help their children continue to learn. Um, and then the other thing is, I think I do believe that that it is not the case that where you know how well you get on early on in your education dictates how well you end up. Oh, massively! I remember when I was back in primary school, we we streamed. We had an A class and a B class. I was fortunate enough that my beautiful mum was uh, on the governing body, and I think that's what got me in the A class. Uh, but you sat in positions, best in the class, second best, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and I was all, I was always sat in seat 30 out of 32. Uh, so I don't think people were expecting me to achieve much uh, when I was at school. But then you, you work hard, you get the love of learning, and that comes from the teachers. And you can achieve absolutely anything. When I think back to my high school days, my secondary school days, we had uh, 600 people in our year group, uh, 12 stayed on to do A-levels. So aspirations of education just wasn't there. And I was one of those lucky 12. And, mm. you know, education has always been... It's, education is the root out of any estate. It's a root out of any sort of poverty, you know, because I look back at my childhood. I didn't have a dad when I, I grew up. I had a beautiful mum, uh, brother and sister, you know, we we had for Christmas we had one present, you know, and it was it wasn't a big present, but we had love. We had love in abundance, you know, and that really came into mm -hmm. my personality. And when I think of all the things that I didn't have as a child, I, as I said, I was I was played football at a quite high standard, but I remember being nine years old, playing for Intake Juniors, and my mum said one day, "You can't go anymore," and I said. Why? I God, I love football. It's the only thing I really wanted to do. I said, why? Mm. She went, I just can't afford to pay subs anymore. And it broke me heart. You know, I remember crying myself to sleep for nights on nights, thinking I can't play anymore. But then that's what spurred me on to come to this fantastic school I'm at now, because I'll get these kids whatever they need to make sure that they have a life, which is, which is sort of happy. And that's why I'm fortunate enough that everyone in year three, year four, year five, and year six all go on a totally free residential because I bring sponsorship money in for it. We open up school on Christmas Eve because it can't tell you how gutted I was my first Christmas when I found out only 12 kids have been to see Santa in December. And I thought, what do you mean only 12? Everybody's got to see Santa. I'm opening school I'm opening school up Christmas Day. <laughs> you're going to have a selection box. You're going to have a bit of turkey. So when I go home, I'll, when I'm loading it up in my own house, I'll be able to think I've made a difference. I pull my senior staff together. I said, I'm opening school Christmas Day. They said, nobody will do it. They were right. Nobody would do it. Uh, so I open it up on Christmas Eve. You know, and I'm doing 800 Christmas Day dinners now. I've got reindeers outside. I've got unicorns in the hall. I've got snow machines. And you've got yard year six lads walking up the driver going, <laughs> Look at them donkeys with sticks on their head. And it's like, the reindeers. And they thought that, they didn't know like reindeers were, were real and things. 
as I said, I just wanted to come into this school full of love that I had, that I had as a child and to make sure that these kids get things that, that lots of us take for granted. When I took the year fives to Whitby, as you can see, I quite like talking. Uh, I took the year fives to Whitby <laughs> on a free residential and I had these uh, four, year, four year five girls and these couple of lads. I thought, what are they doing? I walked up and I said, what are you doing? Um, now, obviously, you can't see this now and I'm doing it. Uh, they said, oh, don't sand feel funny in your toes? I said, what do you mean? They went, oh, isn't it lovely? And it transpired that not one of those kids on that trip had ever been to the beach before. You know, and I thought, what do you mean you've never splashed in the sea, never had an ice cream? So again, I do what I say I'm going to do. So every year now, we shut school on July the 18th and we booked, we booked eight coaches and the parents, the staff, the cleaners, the kid, everybody, we all got a Bridlington. And every child there gets, a, gets to have a bloody ice cream and gets to splash about in that sea, you know. And it's, it, just put, it just gives you a sense of lo lovely inner peace. It's, it's really beautiful. And they're so grateful and they're so happy and things. Oh. So. It's, um, I think there's many, many people, Chris, who, who, who are absolutely doing what they do to genuinely make a difference. And um, as, as you just described, I think, the feeling that so many people have and why they're teachers and why difference. they're in education. Um, Chris, um, I've, asked, I've been asking most of the questions. If there was one question that um, I should have asked you that I haven't, what might you say? If you, if, if you were asking me questions, what would you have what do you think of the, um What do you think of the DFE in this crisis? Oh, goodness me. I think it's uh, been hugely frustrating for, for us, for, for teachers, for schools and for school leaders especially. I think, I think that they've just, I think they've, they've like a lot of organisations, I think that we've had a relatively slow response. And I think that often decisions have happened before things have been fully been very, through. very polite and diplomatic and think that, being there, you know, they're very polite and diplomatic. <laughs> um, you know, I think ultimately um, I, some would definitely state that, that schools I, have been I, let I down massively. Um, you know, and I think um, it, don't get me wrong, Chris, I think it's been a, 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 an absolutely wicked problem uh, which obviously is going to continue for some time uh, it, for us as a society. Um, but, you know, I think we definitely, definitely the prevailing wind is that it's head teachers and mm -hmm. schools and staff and parent, parents and families that have dealt with this for children. Um, <coughs> I think that's a beautifully, government. beautiful answer. And I think I might pinch that answer next time I'm asked it, as it were. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay well chris um before i get to the, the last question um uh the, mm -hmm. the secret sauce as i like to call it um where can where can listen so uh, i've got a quite a high profile twitter account uh, at chris dyson ht uh which then you get to go into my school parklands sort of account as well um and for me caring is sharing you know, if anyone wants any advice on Twitter, they just contact me, DM me. I share everything from school improvement plans to self-evaluations uh, to the new curriculum with the new knowledge organisers. Absolutely everything that we do. And if you ever go on my school website at Parklands Leeds, 
www.parklandsleeds. Uh, everything, everything on the website is in Word. So if you need a, and I'll get the, I can't ever say this word, so I apologise to the listeners. If you ever need an anapathetic shop policy, then you don't want to do it from scratch. <laughs> All my policies are on the website in Word. You can just take them off and you can reword them and change them into your own as opposed to uh, messing around with a, an Adobe file and things. So so sharing is caring is absolutely anything. Okay. And, you know, we're all in this together. You know, and going back to the power of Twitter, you know, all my sort of reading and all my love of reading and the way in which the school now progresses in reading has come from other people online that are just willing to share. I love sharing maths ideas, times tables ideas, you know, but everybody's got a skill in life. Like every child's got a skill, you know. Every child, someone's brilliant at art, brilliant at sport, mm. mathematicians, brilliant readers, great historians, great scientists, scientific knowledge and things. Every child's got something special and every adult is too. Sharing is caring. Brilliant stuff. Okay, Chris, final question. It's got three parts and it's, it's what's your secret sauce? So what do you do firstly Wake every up. day? Fair enough. What do you do every um, week? Make sure that every child that leaves this school goes home with a smile on the face. And that's for parents as well. And what do you do every what term? What do I do every term? Create more create more ideas, how to move to the next level, how I can make, take my school to the next level. As I said, it's always been the the fun day Friday on the best seats in the house assembly has evolved over the last six years. Uh, so we had things in like a spelling bee now. Uh, we've got uh, the reader of the week where a different member of staff comes in. So once a term, I'll always I'll, I'll move the school to the next level. Keep it fresh. Keep it, you know, keep people loving. Because if you love coming to school, you know, you, the behavior is great. Teachers can take risks in lessons, you know, and it's, you know, just be happy. Make everyone smile. Brilliant stuff. Chris, so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for joining me today. Big pleasure. Um, oh, great super stuff. Well, um, uh, just best wishes for, the, for whatever comes next um, in these next weeks and months in terms of this current situation. Um, and... Um, Hopefully, um, we'll see you soon. Uh, and again, once again, just a real massive thank Absolute you. Absolute pleasure. And big love to all your lovely listeners. Off. And stay safe. And I'll see you uh, when we redo the conference uh, soon. Take care, Andy. Cheers, big Chris, love, Sam. Take care. All the best. <laughs>